We've discussed before in Masech Yuma that the Yetzirah, that evil passion, or the passion to do evil, is not really an evil passion. Uh, it's not something which is inherently negative. Uh, the Gemara talks about the fact that society couldn't exist, exist if we didn't have a Yetzirah. Yetzirah is our ambition, our ego, our insecurities. Um, but it's also our creative drives, because that's one of the ways that we overcome our insecurities. We overcome our, our insecurity either by creating, by building, um, and 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 using our creative strength and talent in every way we can, or we overcome our insecurities by being mean and and defensive and uh, unkind to other to other people. Uh, so the, the it's the word is yeter. Yeter means creative force, and the creative force, when used positively, is yeter atov. When not used positively, it needs to find expression in destructive and negative ways, which is yeter hara. But in today's Daf, on, on Daf Nun Beis Amud Aleph, uh, we gain much more respect for the Yetzirah. And in fact, as we work our way through the Daf, uh, we go from despising the Yetzirah, which might be where we start, this, this passion to do wrong, uh, to beginning to respect it somewhat, and then even to rather liking it and admiring it in many ways. Let's have a look at it. Um, the Daf starts off at the beginning exploring the origins of the separation of men and women uh, in a shul. Um, and that, of course, started in the time of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. The, the way for, of separating, the classical way in the great old shuls of Europe and before then, uh, was a, with a women's gallery. Uh, and the idea of that gallery was already established in the time of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, but this idea of separating men and women, even just during times of davening or in a shul, is something that goes so counter to our current, to the spirit of our current times, uh, where there's equality and, and, and uh, just a, a sense of everything needing to be the same and everybody needing to be the same, and egalitarian minyanim, and it's, uh, there's just a, a move, move and movement in the world and not to distinguish, not to separate the sexes, even in times of davening. So what is the origin of this, and, and why is it so? And the, the Gemara goes back to the time of the Beit HaMikdash, where during the Simkat Beit HaShoeva, when there was great celebration and joy in the Beit HaMikdash during Sukkot, uh, the women were separated. At first they were indoor, inside the area, and the men were outside, and then they switched around, and finally they built a gallery uh, for the women. Uh, and the Gemara says the... Um, the source for this need to separate comes from a few psukim in Zechariah chapter Yudbet, uh, at the end of the chapter, where Zechariah prophesies about the time before the Beit before the Mashiach, the period of Gog and Magog, when there will be death and destruction, uh, including the death of Mashiach ben Yosef. There'll be two Mashiachim. The first Mashiach is descended from Yosef, and he will be murdered. Um, and later on, the, the second Mashiach descended from David will appear. And in that time of, of death, there will be great mourning in Yerushalayim, Zechariah says. And the land will be in, in mourning and hesped, sitting shiva, family by family, separately. The family of, Beit, of, of the house of David, the most prestigious family in, in the land, will sit on its own and sit shiva. When Hashem levad and their wives, the women, will sit separately. Separately, Mishpachat Beit Natan levad. When Hashem levad, the family of Beit Natan, and it lists all these great families, and they will be sitting shiva. They'll be 
mourning unashehem levad and their women will be sitting separately. Mishpachat Beit Levi levad unashehem levad, Mishpachat Hashemi levad unashehem levad, and so on. Kol ha-mishpachot ha-nisharot, Mishpachot, Mishpachot levad. All the remaining families, each family will be mourning and, and sitting shiva, unashehem levad, and their wives sitting, their women sitting separately. The Gemara says, if at a time of mourning uh, and death there's a need to separate men and women, how much more so at a time of rejoicing and, and simcha? And the Gemara asks, what, what was the reason for that mourning that Zechariah refers to? And there are two views. There's the view of Rabbi Dossa, who says, and, and the Rabbanon. One says it's because of the death of Mashiach ben Yosef. And the other one says, al because the Yetzirah, this evil, evil drive in people, this, this e- the sense of ego and insecurity that causes people to do so many wrong, wrong things, that will be destroyed. And then the Gemara says, well, I understand if it's, if it's Mashiach ben Yosef, then I understand why people are mourning. But if the Yetzirah has been slaughtered, surely that's a reason for rejoicing, not mourning. And the Gemara then brings the Drash of Rabbi Yehuda and says that in times to come, Hashem will bring the Yetzirah and slaughter it in front of the Tzadikim, the righteous people, and in front of the wicked people. The righteous people, Nidmelahem Kahar Gavoy, it will seem like this was a big mountain that they overcame. Urushaim Nidmelahem Kechutasaira, and the wicked people will see it as such an easy thing that they could have overcome but didn't. Halalu Bochim Vahalalu Bochim, both of them are crying. The tzaddikim were crying and saying, isn't it amazing that we were actually able to conquer this, these great mountains, which is the way they saw the mastery of themselves in the presence of the Yetzirah. And the Rishayim, the wicked people say, wow, isn't it so tragic that we, it would have been so easy, this little thing we could have done, we could have mastered ourselves, and we missed the opportunity. But focusing on the tzaddikim, notice it refers to it as a, as a mountain, and think of the metaphor. Imagine a mountain climber who just loves climbing every mountain, and every time they scale a peak, their eyes are and sights are on the next peak, even higher to scale. Imagine if we said to them, you know, we feel really bad that you're having to climb all these mountains, so Hashem is going to flatten the world. There will be no more mountains that you'll have to climb. Everything is going to be flat. That's not going to delight them. That's going to cause them terrible sadness. And that's the sadness that the tzaddikim felt when the mountain of the Yetzirah was removed because mastering our passions, mastering our instinct, and being able to be um, superhuman, being able to be supernatural, and, and to be able to do that which our instinct does not always support, to be able to overcome instinct, those are the mountains that make us strong. Those are the mountains that give us a sense of accomplishment, moral accomplishment, spiritual accomplishment. And taking those challenges away doesn't make the tzaddik feel good. The tzaddik feels, yes, there's less risk. I'm not likely to fall and break my neck off a, off a cliff. But on the other hand, what am I going to accomplish? What am I going to achieve if there are no more mountains to climb? That's the way that tzaddik sees the Yetzirah. So we're seeing it in a much more positive light. It's, it's that gravitational force that seeks to pull us down. But when we overcome it, it strengthens our muscles. It strengthens our character. It makes us great. And that gives us some insight into a strange story of, of, about Abaya. And you remember, we, we learned back on Dav Kavches, I think it was, this, that Abaya and Rover 
revolutionized the learning of, of Gemara, of Talmud, the way we Paskin changed with Abai and Rava. Abai and Rava were just so incredibly great. And this very, very great man, Abaya, uh, we, have, we have the story about him, uh, where Ab- Abaya says that not only, as the Gemara said earlier, does the Yetzirah, this power, this passion to do wrong, uh, afflict Jews more than Gentiles, but it afflicts Talmidei Chachomim particularly. Scholars, righteous people, are most afflicted by it. That ego that can pull people down, they experience more than ordinary people. And where does Abaya get that from? He got it from a life experience. And he says, uh, He overheard a young man say to a young girl, We've got to go out on a trip tomorrow. We're both setting out early. Let's set out together. Abaya saw that and was concerned for them, that they're young people, they're on their own early in the morning before anybody's around, and they're walking on their journey. Uh, and he was worried that things could go get out of hand. So he thought he would follow them. And if they did start getting a little bit too intimate with one another, he would appear and they would be embarrassed, and that way he would save them from sin. He followed them along the river bank, a beautiful romantic walk through the, the early hours of the morning. Abaya follows them and nothing goes wrong. They're just walking next to each other, keeping each other company, talking to one another, but nothing goes wrong. So Abaya thinks to himself, maybe they're not attracted to each other. However, when they're about to part ways, he hears them say, what a pity us, the cities we're going to, our destinations are far from one another, and that we have to separate and go our own ways. The company has been wonderful and would have been nice to continue walking together. So he sees they're enjoying each other's company, they are attracted, and yet there was no attempt to do anything untoward. And so Abaya is, is concerned, and he thinks to himself, and says to himself, If if I was in that situation, I couldn't have withstood that temptation. And this young man is able to withstand the temptation. He's much greater than me. So what is the value of all the Torah I've learned and everything that I've worked on myself and my character if this young man is so powerful in his, in his character? Uh, and he went and he put his head against the doorpost and he's worrying and he's thinking and he's reflecting and he's introspecting. Until an old man came, and some say that's Eliyahu Anavi, or a wise old man, and says to Abayah, don't worry, The reason you wouldn't be able to withstand the temptation is not because you're lesser than the young man. It's because you're greater than the young man, because the greater the person, the greater the Yetzirah. And we know the way this is normally explained. But the, uh, the Benish Chai has a remarkable and, and explanation that has so much... Uh, contemporary relevance. The Benish Chai, as we've discussed previously, an, an amazing Rov and, and Posek uh, in, from Baghdad. He died 120 years ago, being at the beginning of the 20th century, um, and beloved by the Sephardi community and admired by everybody. Uh, his main work, the Benish Chai, is on the Torah. And parasha by parasha, he opens with a few paragraphs of Kabbalah. He was a great Kabbalist. And then with Halakha, he gives all the Halachot that are relevant to that particular parasha in a very clear and beautiful way. He was a great Halachist as well. He also wrote, wrote the Ben Yehoyada, which is a perush, an explanation on Shas, on the Talmud, on the Agadic parts of the, of the Talmud. And he refers to this piece of Gemara. 
and he explains this idea of the greater the person, the greater the Yetzirah in an unusual way. And he says, that Abaya's assumption that he was less than the young man is not accurate. The reason this seemed to him like such an amazing accomplishment of the young man is because he, Abaya, is not accustomed to hanging out with, with girls and with members of the opposite sex. That's not something he normally does. Um, he, he lives a, 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 a very spiritual and religious life, completely engaged in Torah, where we would even have the opportunities. But they were used to it. They used to hanging out. They would hang out at the at the malls and they would see men and women together and they would be in the public squares and on the beaches. And so it wasn't a big thing for them to be alone together on the side of the river. This was not a major challenge for them. It's something they were really used to. And it's an interesting idea. So what the Benishkais is saying is when people are used to um, sex, uh, intersexual mi- mixing, intergender mixing, then the Yetzirah is much less. Uh, it's when people are purushim and kedushim, when people are holy and sanctified and separate themselves um, from from any of these possibilities and, and live a different type of a life, a, a life of Torah and mitzvot, they're not used to it. And therefore, if they are exposed to the beauty and attractiveness of, of a member of the opposite sex, that's something that can throw them, that's something that could, could cause them to just not be able to withstand that temptation. It's not something they're used to. That being the case, we should almost be encouraging people to to be uh, familiar with this. We should almost encourage the free mixing of the genders so that people don't find it uh, an unusual thing and a difficult thing to manage in the occasions where they where they do come together. But that's not what the Torah wants. The Torah wants a Yetzahara, and the Torah wants us to, to master that Yetzahara. The Torah wants us to be mountain climbers. It doesn't want the world to be flat. It's true, if we were all just used to it, and this was something that we, we took for granted, we wouldn't be challenged in situations where we found ourselves alone with a member of the opposite sex. Um, but the Torah wants us to be challenged. It just doesn't want us to get into those situations. But the Torah wants us to have the Yetzer because that Yetzer, that creative drive, is a, the tension. It's a tension. It's not just a sexual tension. It's a tension in all areas where it's the tension between our need for fulfillment and our need to do that which is right. The tension between our creative urge and our self-destructive urge. Those are, that's an important tension for us to be able to master, and the Torah wants us to master it. And so the separation of the, of the sexes, for example, in the shul, the idea of having a separate women's section, is not to protect the women or to protect the men, it's to protect the Yetzirah, to make sure that we don't become accustomed to it, as we see what's happening today, when in most circles there is completely free mixing of the of the genders in the streets in the shopping centers all over the place in the schools in the universities and and the way that that men and women dress particularly women dress or undress is such that there's nothing mysterious anymore about a woman's presence or a woman's body to a man it's just normal it's taken for granted like this young couple that Abaya met who were walking along the lake in, early, in the early hours of the morning. It wasn't a big deal for them, says the Ben Ishchai, uh, because it was something they, they were so accustomed to. The Torah doesn't want us to get accustomed to it. The Torah wants us to retain the magic, the aura, and the mystery uh, that exists between the genders and between the sexes. 
to make sure that that, that that urgency is there, that energy is there, that brings man and woman close at the right times for them to be close. And not that we come to a kind of a sexless era where people don't really care about it much, which is, which is where we find ourselves today. So important to understand that Yetzirah is a very important part of our lives. Uh, it's a gift from Hashem. Uh, it's something society needs, humankind needs. But we need to know how to work with it, how to master it, how to overcome it, not how to eliminate it. And becoming accustomed to the challenges is one of the ways of eliminating it. Rather, it's important to maintain the challenge and to learn the art and the skills of overcoming it and mastering it. That's the practice of Musar.